Today's program was brought to you by Bonnie Plants, bonnieplants.com. Hi, this is Celia Cutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway. It is a blissfully warm Sunday here in Brooklyn, and I know what I could really go for. Uh, that would be a cone of ice cream. Um, I wish I had the truck somehow like tinkering along the street right here, but otherwise, or instead of that, I've got on the line the owners, founders... Uh, amazing uh, creators of Big Gay Ice Cream Truck, the best ice cream truck in the city. So it's Brian Petroff and Doug Quint. How are you? Hi. Hi. <laughs> Who's who I'm here? Doug. You're I'm Doug. Doug and I am fine. Hi. Nice to see. Nice to chat with you. Thanks so much for taking the time out. And congrats on the Big Gay Ice Cream, the cookbook, which I'm holding right now. Thank you. Um, it is a phenomenal book, but um, I'm so excited to, to hear more about your story and your tremendous like rise to success, which um, uh, it was just a, a really fun story. And it happened so quickly, too. I mean, you guys started in 2009. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. now you've got not only a truck, but a shop, a bona fide ice cream shop. And, um, and now, of course, this amazing cookbook. So it's been it's been a wild ride, hasn't it, for the last few years? Well, it's certainly been better than what I was doing before. This is Brian. Hi, Brian. Uh, <laughs> um, and I am not in hot uh, New York. I'm in cold Los Angeles right okay. now. Okay. What? Okay. Cold. <laughs> it's uh, probably 20 degrees colder here. But yeah, so... In a very short period of time, we went from a truck to now having three shops, mm-hmm. and uh, the cookbook that just came out. So, although I don't, I don't feel like it's any sort of rise. It's just more of a continuation of, of a story. <laughs> so, yeah. a ri- I guess a rise would make me feel settled in anything, but I still wake up in a cold <laughs> sweat every night <laughs> worrying it's about a- things. Oh yeah, I'm sure. But- it also doesn't feel like some sort of meteoric thing because we have gone actually really, really slowly. And mm-hmm. I mean, for for us to have as much um, notoriety as we notoriety as we do, and only three stores, I think indicates that we take it slow. I mean, mm-hmm. people, people months into the whole thing were asking us to franchise, open your store in Dubai, right. blah blah blah, and we have said no to ninety nine percent of offers that have come along just so that we can. We can have all the fun and all the misery to ourselves. Right. And, and, you know, like ice cream is a seasonal thing, too. So I know you're in the, you know, in the first couple of years, it was only during the summer um, running the truck. But, uh, yeah, I just want to kind of back up a little bit for folks who haven't heard um, and haven't read this wonderful book. Um, so, Doug, you were a classical bassoonist. And mm-hmm. Brian, you worked in HR. Is that correct? Correct. So not yeah. really culinary background. So how did you, was it like this or, uh, accidental opportunity that you fell into operating an ice cream truck? Or how'd that happen? Um, yeah, accidental is actually fairly close to the truth. Uh-huh. Is that Brian? <laughs> 
Yeah. It was just this, it, it was an opportunity that kind of stumbled upon Doug's lap, huh. literally, because he was on his laptop at the time. <laughs> to drive an ice cream truck. Blah, blah. Um, to drive an ice cream truck. And, and I said, sure, do it. And um, there you go. That's pretty much how it went down. So it was like a seasonal gig that turned into a career for both of you. That's... Yeah, we just, we just did it for the fun and to see if we could get through an entire summer doing it. And it was, you know, it was an old Mr. Softy truck that we put some stickers on. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was a menu that Brian came up with 90% of, and I had a few ideas on it. And that was it, besides mm-hmm. the fact that I would go out and be really, really nice to people, which most ice cream truckers aren't. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that sums up the first year of it. We just thought, we'll do it till either um, the truck explodes or <laughs> one of us explodes. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and, and it's still well, running, though. So that's... Well, we haven't, yeah, we haven't we... had a truck for a few years, mm-hmm. but we... We, we the quickly brand. learned about ice cream and learned, we knew what we liked, but then we discovered why and how, and mm-hmm. we became food weirdos. <laughs> I love that. You know, that's so true, though, because I, I love that you mentioned that um, your ice cream truck came about at this time when uh, food trucks were starting to get more and more popular amongst the food weirdos, um, and uh and how social media really became the way to get your word out about, um, for all food businesses, it became a sort of protocol, um, but especially trucks to share the location and so forth. So uh, how did uh, how did social media kind of help out your journey here? Was it? Well, I would say it pretty much was almost wholly responsible for that journey. Um, we, it was, you were right about the time. It was a perfect kind of zeitgeist moment of, of food trucks and social network. And it makes me, in retrospect, feel like, you know, it probably couldn't have happened and ended up this way if it didn't happen right then and there in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we never did marketing. We never did any PR. Uh, we never did any advertising. So... Mm-hmm. Any popularity and growth that we had, we looked at it coming from the people who were following us then on, on Twitter and now on you know, other platforms as well. Um, they became kind of you know, our little armies mm-hmm. of PR people out there spreading the word, sharing pictures. And, you know, photos of rainbows and ice cream go really far on social media. So, you know, it wouldn't happen. Yeah. What's that, Doug? I don't think it would happen on Twitter now, even if food yeah. trucks came up, because it was the time on Twitter when everyone started signing up. And yeah. signing up to follow some food trucks was a really in- easy introduction to a use for Twitter. It's a and useful, now, yeah. Now everyone on there follows 2,000 people <laughs> and basically doesn't pay attention to doesn't pay attention to any of them. So <laughs> it was, it was uh, the zeitgeist of food trucks and people getting onto Twitter and... Um, uh, a recession and and, and New York City something yeah. to do. Yeah. 
I, I love that. Um, you know, it kind of ties into your philosophy, as you mentioned, of, of just really talking to people when you're serving ice cream and being really friendly and, and having a great just experience while uh, while serving it up. Um, and, and that was different from what you saw in, in ice cream trucks before. Um, did you go about here like trying to change the face of ice cream trucks or, or food trucks or do something no, totally different? Hardly. <laughs> hardly. We, we just went out to have fun. and. Uh, yeah. We wanted we wanted a job that um, was strictly for the results were ours and the mm-hmm. mistakes were ours and we didn't set out to do anything except do something for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, you have, and a lot- I think we mm-hmm. we had a good luxury with that too because so many people who do food trucks or street food, you know, that's their livelihood and, and they're earning a living and paying their rent and buying their own food through through that and. We didn't have to necessarily worry about that. You know, we had, you know, uh, stress and stuff related to it, obviously, but nothing financial. Right. And we, I still had my job up until the summer we were building our first store, so 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug was also still performing uh, when he was on the truck. So it was really like a summer project. Literally, for like us. performing? Uh, Did you ever. Be- Sorry, did you ever perform on the truck though? <laughs> it was a bassoon solo, or no? He would never. Okay. he would never get the truck anywhere near uh, bassoon anywhere near the truck. Uh, no right. way. Don't mix. <laughs> my bassoon, my bassoon's worth more than two ice cream trucks. And, oh, uh, yeah. No, no way. <laughs> I didn't think of that. All right. So, um, but I know that you had a great um, grand opening of your first store in the East Village where you did have a little symphony. Is that right? Or how did you celebrate that again? We had nine contrabassoons playing the beginning to also Sprach Zarathustra by Richard Strauss, which is known as the the fanfare from 2001. And uh, the opening of that first store was such... um, it was such a blowout of all like the fun resources we could think of. We had roller derby girls, and we had Bourdain dressed as a as a priest, and we had drag queens stealing babies. And honestly, that was it was more than the opening of a store. It was like um, just throwing a party for all of the people who got us to that point. And I, I don't think we'll ever try to recreate an opening in that manner because it was it was it was really celebrating making this jump and thanking everyone for it and showing them how what much, we hoped was to come. Yeah. yeah. How much it meant. It was, it, That's great. It was weird because we had a line that started queuing up hours before we opened that first day. And I think it was between two and three hours long the entire day. And the street was packed and everything was, there was hubbub and everything. Um, and I remember overhearing somebody say all this for ice cream. <laughs> and it's more than that. And so and yeah. the person turned to her, or tur- her turned to him and said, yeah, <laughs> that was the end of it. <laughs> and um, I don't know, to me, it was almost like where street food became street art or something mm, like it. Yeah. As we moved. To, uh, as we moved into a new phase in our career, you know, moving into a brick and mortar, it, there was something symbolic about it. Not many trucks had gone that route mm-hmm. and succeeded. And to be honest, I mean, and a lot of them have failed uh, very quickly mm-hmm. when they tried to do that and closed down. So I don't know. I think it was just like when we started the truck, we thought, 
what the hell? Just throw everything and the kitchen sink at this thing and, <laughs> and, uh, and have a party. And have fun with it. Yeah. And I love yeah. how that... That spirit really comes through in this very unconventional cookbook <laughs> that you have here. I, um, for folks who can't flip through it right now, I hope you get your hands on it soon. But um, you have this sort of yearbook theme throughout it. And there's photographs of a lot of familiar faces, actually, for here at, at Heritage. Um, in this, they're, like, familiar, 80s, they're familiar faces. Yeah. They're familiar faces, but there are a lot of unfamiliar faces. Um, you know, each section, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, uh, starts off with a grid of photos, two pages wide. Um, I don't know how many photos are in each grid, but 30, at least 30. And they're, they're supposed to be class photos, the freshman class. And we had three open days of photo call. And again, it was sort of the way, it was sort of the spirit of the opening day of the first door when we wanted everyone to come and we wanted to thank them and party with them, uh, we, we love the idea of the class grids, but even more, we love the idea of people who love big gay ice cream being mm-hmm. able to be in our book and have the fun with us. So, um, you, know, you know, there are, you know, you'll see Gail Simmons and you see Ann Burrell and you see a lot of familiar people in the grids, but the vast majority are people you'll never, ever recognize and people that we didn't even know. <laughs> they just showed up to the end of the book. So they're fans that you found on, uh, did you put like an open call on like Twitter or something? or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, hey, I guess I have. Uh, I, we're friends with a lot of your fans, and <laughs> we're definitely fans too. So that's <laughs> you never know. I mean, it's it's a true. Uh, that's the true yearbook mentality. It's just like folks, you know, representing. Um, but it's so much fun, and you can definitely see like the collaborative community spirit throughout this book that you guys have fostered. Um, and uh, it's it's really exciting. Um, so talking a little bit about the ice cream itself, um, I know you guys um, started out kind of kind of gradually playing around with ingredients. At first it was toppings, and uh, then you, of course, you started making your own ice creams, and you have a lot of recipes for that here, too. Um, and I love how accessible it is throughout this cookbook, because you can start out with just a simple, like, topping idea. Um, but I, I think that... Um, what I really love about your your sort of brand or your style is that it's just this like crazy zany mix of sophisticated and silly um, all thrown together in one big punch. Um, like there's fancy olive oil and then tricks and cocoa puffs. Um, I wondered if um, you, you thought that there was something inherent about ice cream that is sort of not, not to be taken so seriously or just sort of have fun with well- it. Yeah, I mean, for me, at least, I see ice cream as you know, probably the best comfort food out there. And it's something that every child loves. I mean, and pretty much every adult loves, too. And there's just something about it that when you eat it, even as an adult, it's, it's, you're transported back into moments in time, you know, food as a, as a memory. And, you know, you're remembering getting a booster shot and getting ice cream afterwards as, <laughs> as, a, as a treat or well, hopefully you, you will nowadays get a booster shot. And you, I mean, you know, like falling down and scraping your knee and what do you get? You get ice cream. That's funny. Um, I just, I having a repressed memory now of stepping on a nail and getting it through my foot and then having ice cream after it was, you know, doused with beta diet. <laughs> yeah. Nothing, nothing captures those memories like something horrible right before ice cream. <laughs> happening to you. <laughs> That's so, it. Yeah. 
Sorry, what was it? For me, it was just like we wanted to bring fun back into ice cream. And and this was kind of our, our interpretation of fun. And it was kind of a reaction, I guess, a little bit to other ice cream. Know, um, trends in ice cream that mm-hmm. were making it pretty precious. And it yeah. was artisan. And, and, and it was removing it from its core, which to me is... It's making cream. you feel good. Mm-hmm. And and that wasn't happening. So, you know, once we had our name and, and then the logo we developed, everything else just kind of fell into place. And there's mm. so much. I mean, we're both products of the 80s and MTV. And I will eat a Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich with <laughs> as much zest as I will going to a restaurant. So mm-hmm. when you see things like olive oil side by side with trick cereal, you know, you're seeing our personalities in yeah. that, as weird as that may be. But um, it's it's meant to be accessible. Uh, the book, you kind of alluded to it, it starts off very simply, and then it gets harder. You don't make ice cream until later. And it was our way of kind of mirroring the direction that our own uh, business took when mm-hmm. we started. You know, you said, as you said, we weren't ice cream guys. We right. didn't go to culinary school. So everything we've learned has been self-taught, and so we wanted to kind of retrace those steps in this kind of four-year process. That's awesome. Yeah, I think a lot of people really respond to that because now they think about it, ice cream has this like huge gap in between, like say, the good humor truck stuff and like the really more cerebral, precious, as you mentioned, <laughs> um, <laughs> products out there. So um, yeah, you kind of bridge that. Um, it's funny. It's funny to me that you would mention the olive oil ice cream because that was a recipe that tormented me a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, and it, honestly, the, the recipe is too easy. <laughs> um, it, it and it has some little problems that causes by being so easy. Um, and a couple of days ago, um, uh, Mary, who is a long-term Twitter and Instagram follower, mentioned that she was setting up to make the olive oil ice cream. And I got a little nervous because I specifically made that recipe too easy because I wanted people to to realize how good olive oil ice cream is. And if the recipe was as difficult as it should have been, meaning if I needed you to make a a custard base and um, add in eggs, um, a lot of people wouldn't try it. So I decided, screw it, let's leave out the emulsifier and run the risk of the olive oil separating a little bit because... I just want people to try olive oil ice cream. And Brian's of the same mindset. Like, that was one recipe that we really wanted to make the jump. Mm-hmm. Um, so when she said she was trying it, I got a little nervous because mm-hmm. she is a real eater and, a, you know, an at-home, an avid Chef. at-home cook. Okay. And I, I mentioned it to her. I said, I really want to know what happened. That's <laughs> the recipe I'm the most nervous about. And she got back to me and she said... The teeniest bit of separation, but basically it tastes flawless. And that's great. Uh, you know, it was so flattering, but also it, I, it, it affirms that Brian and I did the right thing by making some of these recipes almost easy. too easy. We're drawing people in uh, to, to, well, make ice cream, which a lot of people don't do, mm-hmm. but certainly to try some, I guess, riskier flavors yeah. too. Yeah, that's the goal. That that sounds yeah. yeah. 
You you did it. So I I can't wait to try that one. Hey, I don't see anything wrong with a olive oil swirl. Why don't we just kind of throw it in there at the last minute? Um, uh, we're gonna cut to a yeah, quick. Yeah, it wasn't. Oh. It yeah. wasn't a separation. It was mm-hmm. a swirl of ice. Of yeah. yeah, you're right. I should have just I should have re triggered uh, the description. <laughs> Why not? Olive swirl, vanilla. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So we definitely want to talk more about some of your recipes, but we're going to cut to a quick little commercial interlude, and we'll be right back. You are listening to Shadow Puppets by Odetta Hartman. This is Eat Your Words on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Could an app be the answer to a better garden? Absolutely. It's the new free app, Homegrown with Bonnie Plants. Note, track, and photograph your garden's progress. Personalize your weather and reminders. Get variety info, grow guides, hands-free dictation, and more. The Homegrown with Bonnie Plants app. The sharpest tool in your garden. Download it free on the App Store. Hey, I'm Kathy Irway, and you're listening to Brian Petroff and Doug Quint from Big A Ice Cream Truck, uh, or Big A Ice Cream, and the new cookbook of the same name. And they're on the line sharing some of their secrets of ice cream making and sorbet making. I love the, all the sorbet recipes, and that sounds like it'll really hit the spot for for these hot days right now. Um, so tell me a little bit about this flavor that I, first of all, I love the Mountain Dew sorbet flavor idea and it looks so easy. I don't know why anyone wouldn't try it right now. Um, but there's the pepper Coke sorbet. Mm-hmm. What's the story behind that pepper Coke? It's, it's Coke plus it's pepper. It's Coca-Cola. Uh-huh. Sorry. Doug, I don't know if Doug was talking or not. No, it's uh, your land, man. <laughs> Go for it. It was, yeah, first of all, it was really, really fun to do something. It, what for us was outside of the box. We'd never done sorbets. You know, we mm. don't do those in our shops. So the idea of adding them into our cookbook was something that we both really loved the idea of and kind of jumped on that opportunity as we were mapping out what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the two soda ones, the Mountain Dew one, if you read the introduction to uh, that recipe, this is just a little side note. Yeah. Um, let's just say this. You are sitting extremely closely to the restaurant that's discussed in that opening. Oh, of I'm sitting in it. Uh, yeah. I, did, I thought it was the, the one at 13th and A that's gone now, that bar. It looks like you... No. Interesting. No, no, we talk about the we talk about the pot ice cream. Oh, 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 the pot. I just thought you were oh, talking about Mountain Dew. I know. Sorry. 
Ah, yes. Okay. So it was the famed <laughs> pot menu at. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was that Elizabeth you were talking to? The baker? Mm. No, there was a pastry chef. Oh, okay. And she, and she served us under the kind of tea cream. But it did make you stuck. Okay. So you. She did. So you're inspired by but, this uh, experiment. Yeah. So then the pepper coke one that you're asking about, um, mm-hmm. it was. We wanted the idea, we were going to do these soda sorbets, and the Mountain Dew one was easy because we had had, you know, frozen Mountain Dew margaritas and, mm-hmm. and stuff, so we were already halfway there. Um, and then I, for me, I wanted the Coke one because I don't know if you did this growing up, but we would always put uh, poor Coca-Cola into plastic tumblers and then put them in the freezer. Oh. And huh. And that was a Florida treat, I guess. Okay. <laughs> and then you would just scrape it and essentially eat it like a, a shaved ice, like a cup of granita, yeah, or shaved ice. Okay. And so that's why I had wanted to do it. Um, and we have uh, we have Mexican cokes in our shop that we make with. So we Brian mentioned doing coke sorbet, and I said, oh, grab grab the Mexicans because they're just a, they're they're so better. much better yeah. and, and uh, cane sugar. Without, yeah, without mm-hmm. corn syrup, they'll freeze better. So we just went upstairs and grabbed one. So you got a Mexican it's Coke-flavored sorbet, but uh, you mentioned that Coca-Cola naturally has this peppery component. So you amp that up a little yeah. bit? That's brilliant. Basically, yeah, and I yeah. think it does. And we just add some black peppercorns and some pink or Szechuan peppercorns to it, too. <laughs> and it just gives it a like a... A nice bite. It's yeah. like a sweet heat, kind of like a ginger would. I mean, they don't it, taste like ginger, but that sweet heat that ginger mm. has. It well, was it was fun to it was fun to tune that one because um, you know it did, it's very very simple, so it wasn't hard to tune. But it was either we made a few that were totally underwhelming, but then we made a few that just tasted like distilled black pepper, uh, and <laughs> it, 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 it opened sinuses. It was really really fun to yeah. do and look at it. Look at each other in this sort of painful, over-peppered look, like we've been pepper sprayed. <laughs> no, I actually, it, it's a I good actually love those super spicy ones, and I guess because I love the recipe in general. But I would eat through the pain. It was <laughs> they were really good. But Doug was like, you, Doug was like, you've got to tone this down for the book. Nobody's going to make this, or they'll think it's wrong. So, well, that's so you're a, seeing a, a middle ground version right. of the recipe. Hey, so for folks who, you know, didn't go to culinary school, um, I love that you like write. God. Yeah, yeah. So I love that you write that you're inspired initially just by walking into a grocery store and seeing what was available and grabbing from this shelf and kind of just getting inspired from there about what toppings go with what. Um, I find that's really like Old Bay seasoning, for instance, on chocolate ice cream. Um I just think that that's a really great, inspiring story because I hear from a lot of people who are nervous about cooking and don't know where to start. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's funny to compare that to some of our friends. Like mm-hmm. you read Andy Ricker's Pock Pock book, and it talks about scouring the markets of Thailand. <laughs> and meanwhile, we just kind of went to Fairway uh, and Fairway yeah. <laughs> around for stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, I love Andy, and I, of course, that's what he does. But it's just so. It's such a parallel that's so askew between mm-hmm. us and the normal normal uh, way of going about it. 
Yeah, but that's at the same time you really cover like a lot of ground. You have like a mixed fruit and saba topping, which sounds awesome. Uh, you said you mentioned that you were inspired by Franny's in Brooklyn mm-hmm. by the use of saba because it's just something you came you know came to like from from eating there. Um, yeah, yeah. We put it on panna cotta, and mm. when we started that, yeah. coming up with the trucks recipe um, or topping uh, recipes, or not, sorry, menu, um, we started thinking firstly to what we had eaten that we really loved in terms of desserts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was one that I kept going back to, and it seems simple enough, find some saba, yeah. um, which proved to be a little more challenging than <laughs> expected. Uh, but but okay. we, we found it. All right. Uh, but, yeah, all of, and then... To continue that journey, that's when we started doing uh, the supermarket shopping, and it got a little out of hand to the point where we couldn't not, you couldn't go into a store and not think about what you were buying and how it would taste on ice cream, regardless of how horrible that particular item may taste. And yeah, we, could, we, couldn't think, whole, we couldn't go in and buy dinner anymore, because everything was a potential ice cream. <laughs> Like, you couldn't go in to buy hamburgers without thinking, oh, how would I put it on a hamburger bun, and what would I do with the mustard? And it be- we became insane from it. We really, really had to, oh, God. <laughs> okay, what, I, was I, the, what was the worst yeah. topping that you tried out? Like, worst idea? I don't know. If I'm looking at some people eating here at Roberta's uh, Parm. Did you ever try cheese? Oh, you do have cheese in one topping. Shredded cheddar cheese and sharp oh, cheddar yeah, and chocolate. fresh cherries. <laughs> Was there total disaster? The thing that failed most for us at first actually was bacon. Uh Um, Really? It it just got, I mean, we wanted to do something with bacon bacon and do this kind of sweet uh, and savory combination. But every time we did it, on the truck at least, it kept coming back as, you're essentially eating chocolate ice cream that melts instantly, and you're left with, like, a wad of bacon in your mouth, <laughs> uh, which is not as tasty as it sounds. Uh-huh. So, okay. um, <laughs> it's like, well, who wouldn't want no, a I wad mean, of t- bacon? T- t- yeah, take some bacon, chew it up, and then leave it in a glass of chocolate milk for a while, and then go back to chewing it. Oh. That's what it tasted like. Yeah. <laughs> eh, okay, so that was a dud. So yeah, but some problem by turning it into an ice cream sandwich instead. So you have the the, the cookie to chew on mm-hmm. as well as the, the bacon, and, and that, oh, that made works. it much more enjoyable. Yeah. All right, gotcha. Um, but that was really the only thing that kind of scaled outright. Huh. Um, we, I mean, we had a everything few that else talked, but <laughs> you you had some that was so so, and you know all yeah. all sorts in between. Yeah. Um, well, I also love that you have this um, this uh, penchant for putting things on the inside of the cone, too, like peanut butter or syrups. I mean, who didn't? why didn't anyone think of that? Um, you write that, that it's sort of like unused real estate to slather the inside of the cone with something delicious. So that was a fun innovation. Yeah, it's so depressing it's, when you see soft serve just going into an empty cone. <laughs> I mean, I have no problem with cones, and waffle cones are delightful, but uh, they're just... It's kind of like eating matzo with nothing on it. Uh, yeah. Not that thrilling. And we have all this stuff on the outside. After you finish that, it's like there's something more to look forward to. 
so that's fun. I have a, fr- I have a friend up what? in Boston with a, we have, we have a friend up in Boston with a place called Gracie's Ice Cream, and they line them with fl- they, they line their cones now with fluff and brulee them, and I think mm. that's so sexy. Oh my gosh, it's like a surprise too if you didn't know it was like uh, they're waiting. Oh, it's fun. We we surprised a lot of kids because we tell our staff you know, whatever you put on the top of the ice cream has to be in the bottom of the cone. Mm-hmm. So that includes things like rainbow sprinkles. And I'll, kids have a habit of biting the bottoms off of cones before they're done with the ice cream. So they mm-hmm. suck it out. And every so often we'll see a group of kids do it. And when one does it for the first time and they realize it's like a pinata and all these little, little sprinkles come out, suddenly everybody's doing it. And, and we've, we have a mess of sprinkles all over the floor. But <laughs> obviously they don't care. But it's, it's really funny to watch. Nice. There's no going back after that. Yeah. Um, well, it looks like that's about all the time we have today. But um, thank you so much for joining us. And I hope that everyone gets their hand on, hands on this book. And also realize you don't need to necessarily have an ice cream maker to use this book for the topping inspirations, for the milkshakes, for the floats, etc. But um, I hope everyone throws an ice cream social and has fun and gets inspired by these ideas. So um, thanks Thanks again so much, Doug and Brian. Thank you. I think you really get the book, and it's great to hear. Awesome. Well, um, have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll see everyone here at Heritage next week on Eat Your Words. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.